I would never send a soldier to war who's not trained. I'm not going to give a soldier a, a rifle who has never fired a rifle and say, okay, it's time for you to go to war. The same with us believers. I'm not going to, you know, we can't be engaged in warfare, spiritual warfare especially, and these end times and natural disasters and physical disasters if we're not spiritually prepared to meet those kinds of things. We are at war right now. The forces of light and darkness lined up in battle as world events and biblical prophecies intersect. Time to get ready. No, uh, I'm not preaching or I'm not reading a movie script. Uh, This is actually uh, the uh, description of a new book. uh, And one of the authors is our guest for this episode of the Run the Race podcast. Thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, We're talking about uh, end times and all kinds of interesting things uh, with a highly decorated war veteran who retired a couple years ago, someone who I've met through church over the last few years. He is the author of a new book uh, being released in January called The Military. Military Guide to Armageddon, Battle-Tested Strategies to Prepare prepare Your Life and Soul for the End Times. Chaplain David Jamona, a U.S. Army colonel retired, who has uh, dedicated his life to awakening and preparing the church and the world for the end times, helping maybe as as a wake-up call for the church as he has a passion for biblical prophecies. And and, uh, so it was great to talk to him about some serious subjects and to get to know him a little bit better and uh, talk to him about the importance of faith and God during this crisis that we're going through now. So many different things, the the COVID-19 pandemic, got this election coming up in uh, just about a week from when this uh, podcast comes out or so, and, um, you know, soldier families and what churches are doing during this time. So, uh, Definitely very, very interesting as, as folks are really fascinated by the end times. And you may remember a series that, that actually I read when I was a little younger. I guess this came out maybe about 20 years ago or so, uh, Left Behind. It was a, a, a stream of books uh, that all came out. And I think I, I remember I did read every single one of those. And I'm not somebody who reads a lot of books. And they did come out with a few movies. And, and it talks about uh, uh, the uh, the end of the world, uh, the rapture where uh, Christians and believers in Christ uh, are brought up into heaven and others are left behind uh, for some days of tribulation and the Antichrist. And so uh, very, uh, very biblical, uh, but very interesting. Uh, that put into like a sense on the big screen and also the small screen. And so that's kind of what this, this book does that we're talking about today, the military guide to Armageddon, because, uh, you know, we some people feel like we're living like in the end times with everything going on and the strife and disease and plagues and those kind of things. And so uh, uh, definitely a, a topic that, that a lot of folks are talking about right now. And um, uh, Chaplain Jamona, a U.S. Army colonel retired, uh, wrote this book alongside a Pulitzer Prize nominated investigative journalist, Troy Anderson. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, to reading that book and the goal really is to help wake up the church and prepare believers for what they call the coming earth-shattering events, which are going to eventually happen. We don't know when it's going to happen, uh, but uh, Jamona has 32 years of military service. Uh, he did uh, three tours of combat in uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia. He also spent four years working in the Pentagon and also was assigned through the Army as the personal assignments officer for the chief of chaplains. Uh, now he's a retired colonel and chaplain with a top-secret security clearance. 
He's a highly respected expert in military and religious affairs, an expert on end times, a scholar and a motivational speaker all around the, the world. And uh, he oversees a place called the Warrior Refuge, a 46-acre ministry resort uh, near the Columbus, Georgia area where he lives now with his wife, Esther. They've been married for the last 39 years with three adult children and uh, three grandchildren. I think he told me they have another one on the way uh, as well. Uh, he has a lot of education, uh, Master of Divinity at Golden Gate Baptist Seminary, a Master of Science in Counseling, Marriage, Family Therapy at Columbus State University here in Georgia, and a Master of Strategic Studies at the U.S. Army War College. Also has extensive background in music with a degree in saxophone performance from Sacramento State University, so multi-talented for sure. Uh, also highly decorated. His awards include the Legion of Merit, the Bronze Star Medal, Global War on Terror Service Medal, and uh, many more. And uh, so uh, looking forward to, to reading his book. And uh, here's my conversation with uh, this chaplain and great uh, retired U.S. Army colonel. It is an honor to welcome my chaplain, uh, Colonel, U.S. Army retired David Jamona to the podcast. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. Hey brother, it's great to be here today. Absolutely. Um, well, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, uh, your new book uh, that is coming out uh, in the next few months, available for pre-order now, about uh, kind of getting ready for military Armageddon. We're going to talk to you about um, your military career, combat deployments, uh, being a chaplain, working at the Pentagon, and and also a lot about faith, because obviously that's a foundation for your life and in my life as well. So a lot to talk about today. Um, but uh, first, you know, an, an issue that is uh, seems to definitely have come to the forefront nowadays with the pandemic and with everything going on with uh, so much strife in America is uh, talk about the end times. Whether you're a believer or whether you're not a believer, uh, we you know we hear about heaven, we hear about hell and what the Bible says about those things and uh, what it says in Revelations. But for you, um, are you, uh, you know, are a lot of people maybe asking about the end times nowadays, or is that something that has really come to the forefront now? Just the political intrigue, um, you know, the, the, the Chinese and, you know, the possibility of war with them, you know, Russian and uh, the things that are going on over there in Europe. There are so many things, Middle East, Israel, you know, we could spend hours talking about all those things. And a lot of people say, well, you know, you guys have been talking about the end times for 2,000 plus years. Nothing's really happened, but it is all happening. It is going that direction ever since May 14th, you know, 1948, Israel became a nation. And that was the prophetic clock that started all the things that are going on right now. Yeah. Uh, the Jews coming back, you know, biblically. That was been prophesied for thousands of years, and now it has happened. And, you know, when you started, like you said, you know, writing this book about the military guide to Armageddon, um, these things that are happening in our world in, in 2020 were not happening, right? I mean, you, not that you predicted them, but it, it it's kind of fits more with what we're, what we're experiencing, right? You know, brother, everywhere I go, uh, people are asking me, pastors— they want to know what do we tell our congregations? You know, what do we? How do we train our people for what is happening now and what is about to happen? I get that a lot from not just pastors, secular people, people who don't even believe in the Bible. They want to know what in the world is going on on our planet and how do I prepare for it? 
And uh, is it something that, um, because, you know, you hear, and like you said, kind of the, the negative stereotypes is that you hear pastors predicting that the world is going to end on this date, yeah. this time. And we know in the Bible it says, you know, no man will know. It'll be a mystery. Um, but uh, what do you think about that, about predictions about, you know, this is when Jesus will be coming back, or this is when we'll have, you know, um, you know the, the revelation and the things that are foretold about in the Bible. I don't think we should be predicting. I mean, the Lord himself said not to do that. He didn't know the date or the hour or the time. You know, a lot of people try to get around that and say, well, he didn't say that, but he, you know, he said you know the seasons or you would know this or know that. All that to say this, uh, you know, I don't know when the Lord is coming back, but I know one thing. Whether he's going back tomorrow, next year, or 10 years from now, we had better be ready and prepared. And most of the churches in the United States are not ready. You know, most of the believers, and that's my job. God has assigned me that, you know, get the church ready. Get people understanding what eschatology or the study of the end times is all about. Help them understand, you know, what my coming is all about and warn the world because I am coming back. And uh, you were, um, in, you know, in in the army for uh, several decades uh, as a colonel and a chaplain, and so um, you know your your job was to help train up soldiers and get them ready for battle. Is that kind of a similar kind of path here? Obviously, you're a um, kind of the, the a colonel in a in a Christian sense, right? Right. <laughs> you know, our job as chaplains is, is exactly right. Prepare our soldiers spiritually mentally, physically, and the Army does a great job with a lot of those things. But our job, you know, spiritually is to get him ready. And um, in the preface of the book, I wrote this. What I saw in war, and I've been to three major combat and one minor combat zone, but it's like surgery. There's no minor surgery. There's no minor combat. But the, the soldiers, when they saw what was going on, especially the believing or Christian soldiers, they saw their buddy get killed or blown up or they were seriously injured. They began to question God. How could a loving God allow me to go through all of this? And uh, in the preface of the book, I write that down, and I wrote the book for that very reason. I didn't want to see the church members, believers, going through what possibly we could go through in the near future, persecution, you know, the government uh, not supporting or persecuting believers, closing down churches, all of those kinds of things in America and especially around the world. And I want to make sure that people understand we need to prepare mentally, physically, spiritually for these kinds of things. Absolutely. They're happening now. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's a big challenge, but uh, it's something that, you know, like you said, God has, has called you to do. So I'm looking forward to talking to you more about that and, and faith and, and your time in the military. But uh, we uh, what we do on this podcast as well, we do a fast four, right. kind of a rapid fire questions to get to know you. Uh, so first of all, uh, what is your current job description at work and also at home? Well, right now I'm a professional speaker. I travel I write, of course, I'm an author, and I'm also the CEO of Battle Ready Ministries. We're putting together conferences around the country and really around the world, and we're going to go in and train churches, train pastors, train leaders, believers, and we go through the 15 chapters of the book, and we're putting together a two-day conference. Um, I've been involved in all of that, so that's kept me very busy, plus the writing, Writing a secondary book, a follow-on book to the Army Guide, to the Military Guide to Armageddon. 
So that's keeping me real busy. And then at home, what's your uh, job description currently? <laughs> yes. Well, you know, when you retire, you know, your wife has this long list of things, honey-do lists. Sure. <laughs> so I live on 46 acres, and it's a long honey-do list because uh, we have a lot of hardwoods out there. We have uh, vegetable gardens, and we have deer plots. We do hunting. In fact, right now, hunting season's going on. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of stuff inside the house. And a lot of stuff outside the house, to, you know, to keep me busy. And then going to visit the the kids and the grandkids, I guess as well, right? Absolutely. My wife just spent a month month up at Fort Drum, New York, visiting our uh, granddaughter, our youngest. She's a almost a year and a half, so she was helping with that, and I was taking care of the home front and doing all the things I do. So yeah, it's busy. Absolutely. And uh, obviously, you know. Um, part of your job in the army was to be physically fit on a daily weekly basis so now that you're retired do you do have any kind of a routine for you to stay you know fit absolutely i think being physically fit is extremely important so uh, i set up in my garage um i was part of a gym i love the gym i was uh, gods of iron i'll give them a shout out and i loved it but just wasn't working because of covid and all that so i Actually, we set up a pretty nice gym. Um, we're building on it in our house, in our garage. Plus, being on 46 acres, you're out and about all the time, walking, you know, a lot of strenuous stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping fit. And now that the weather's getting a little cooler, hopefully fall is here to stay for us around here in Georgia. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have a particular uh, spiritual or inspirational motto, something that you live by? It could be a verse or something else. Yeah, well, when I signed my book, I always sign it, you know, to, to whatever name the person is, and I give a scripture, but at the end I say, with you in battle. That's my motto, um, because God is, you know, wants us to be battle-ready, battle-hardened for these days, so my uh, motto with everybody is with you in battle, because I just want to be help you to get to the place where you need to be. And uh, closing out the fast four, uh, what is something unique about Colonel David Jamona? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, probably most people don't know I play the saxophone, but right. uh, I do play the sax, and I've got a degree in the saxophone performance from California State University in Sacramento, so I love to play. I play all kinds of genres, including church music, but I also do jazz and classical as well. Okay. Do you, were you in a band at all, or, or, or maybe in the Army or, or outside the Army? I did play my sax in uh, places around the world and for the soldiers, in churches and chapels. But yes, I was in a, I've been in a lot of bands. You name the kind of music, and I've been in the classical, rock, jazz, blues, big band. You name it, I've been in all of those kinds of things. Well, sounds good. It's a way. It's a, a nice way of of expression for sure. Sure. <laughs> um, well, we we talked a little bit about the end times and, and about um, your your ideas about you know getting people ready for that. Uh, let, let's kind of rewind a little bit. Go back in your you know uh, your military career. Um, you know you've had you know like you said combat deployments. Worked at the Pentagon. Worked as a chaplain. So, uh, what? Um, how did you get started in the Army? Was it were you you know a teenager or in your twenties and, and kind of decided to to you know um, you know serve your country? Yeah, I was uh, called by the Lord into ministry. I was already an Assemblies of God licensed preacher. In Northern California, and um, you know, the Lord just directly inspired me to get into the military and to become a chaplain and minister to soldiers. So I, you know, went through seminary back uh, early on, graduated, got into the reserves, and eventually got into onto active duty 
uh, in the Army at Fort Bliss was my first duty station. A few months after that, it was off to Desert Storm. Wow. So, you know, 32 years of military service. Uh, tell us, anything stick out to you about those tours in, in you know, Afghanistan or Saudi Arabia or, or, or Iraq in terms of, obviously, you were in probably some very dangerous situations? Yes. Um, talking about being physically fit, I was running one morning, uh, as all good Army officers and soldiers do. It was about 530 in the morning. I was running a perimeter of Victory Base in Iraq. Near, It's really near the Biop, the international airport there in Iraq. And uh, nobody was out there on the perimeter wall. And I thought, wow, this is strange. I mean, usually there's lots of people running at that time in the morning. Nobody was there but me. And I really felt really strange, like someone was watching me. Our battalion S1, who's a captain, he's the administrator for the battalion, which is a group of about 500 soldiers, which I belong to came running toward me and his face was ash and he says and he's yelling chaplain get out of here there's a sniper on the other side of that wall in the minaret and as soon as he said that a bullet flew over our heads and hit the palm tree right above me and birds flew out and he didn't have to tell me a second time that it's time to get out of there and as soon as all that was going on uh two uh, marine helicopters came over the wall and fired the guy up in the minaret Killed everybody up there, blew that minaret in half, and saved our lives. And uh, I'm thankful the Marines coming for the rescue, but uh, they were there that day. So God, thank God for that. Mo- the most dangerous run you've ever been on, probably. I, you know, <laughs> when snipers are shooting at you, that's yeah, that's pretty dangerous, you know. <laughs> so um, what was your path uh, to, well, I mean, you also, one of your Army assignments was at the Pentagon. Tell me about that. Was this um, uh, post-9-11? Yes. Um, You know, I've had some pretty difficult experiences in war, but, you know, nothing compares to walking into Pentagon and doing the job I was doing because it was it was at first terrifying because the chief of chaplains called me up and says, hey, I want you to become the assignments officer for all the chaplains in the army, which were at that time 1700. So me and a group of chaplains who were stationed around the world were responsible for assigning all the chaplains in the United States Army. Obviously, one of the probably most, most rewarding jobs you had in the Army was as chaplain, and you know, still doing that to this day. So tell me about that, what that was like, because you, know, you can imagine soldiers, the stress they're going through, uh, and the, what it's like for military families. So uh, what, was, what was that like for you? Because I'm sure it was some difficult days, too. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, you know, the difference between a chaplain and a pastor you know, the congregation comes to the past, comes to the church, and they have church. And But a chaplain is living with his congregation day in and day out, especially when you're deployed, you're in battle. So um, taking care of those soldiers, the stresses they're going through, plus the stress of being separated from your family in deployments. Uh, I've done both. I was the rear detachment chaplain for the 101st Airborne Division at Fort Campbell, so they they went forward, and I stayed behind and took care of families. And honestly, I'd rather go forward and be in battle than be behind because I think it's more difficult to stay behind, take care of all the stressors going on with families, you know, loved ones. And then the most difficult days at Fort Campbell, for example, is when we had soldiers start dying. We had 17 die in one aircraft incident helicopter wow. and we had to go inform the loved ones that their family member their husband have died in combat that is something i don't ever want to do again 
but it has to be done and you know you're you're the extension of god to them you represent you know the church and the lord and all the you know stresses that they're going through and to find out that their loved one has died that's tough yeah and you know what what's the importance of of you know of faith and of god in crisis like that um when you're dealing with you know we, we hear about people dying from from covid-19 nowadays and and uh, but you know, and, and military, you know, they deal with it on a, on a regular basis. So, um, you know, uh, for those maybe who are listening that maybe don't believe, or they feel like that, okay, I've got to handle this grief on my own. What's the, what's the difference? Do you think? Well, you know, handling grief on your own is never recommended because um, I don't think we're built for that. We need other people to come into our lives. We need to be able to share that grief with someone else. And if they're a trained person like a chaplain, that's even better because they know what to say and what not to say to you. And I even formed a group of ladies. All of them lost their husbands in combat that year. And so we walked through that process with them for the entire year. That was extremely difficult but very rewarding. But if they're unbelievers and people who don't know the Lord, you know, listening in, I would say, Check out, you know, the local church. Get into, um, you know, relationship with Christ because he is going to help you overcome things you can't possibly do on your own. Yeah, and, and then, you know, obviously we've been for the last uh, seven-plus months going through this COVID-19 pandemic, and and uh, and I know that I believe, were you, um, like, out of the country or, or you were uh, involved, you know, kind of stuck somewhere when this whole thing hit? Is that right? <laughs> yes, uh, we had a plan. We were, been in, we were in Israel, in Jerusalem, living there for a month when COVID struck the world, and— uh, we had a pretty difficult time trying to get out of there. We finally caught a plane and went to England and then from England to Atlanta. But those were some, some difficult days, to, you know, because you don't know if you're going to get out or not. You don't know what's going on with the world. And I would, I got to tell you this. I wrote an article that was t- entitled, I Came Back to America I Never Knew. Because coming back to America with COVID – it was a totally different experience than leaving America, you know, without it. So, you know, we're in the midst of it now, and things are beginning to normalize somewhat. But yeah, it was those were difficult days. Do you sure. feel like that uh, people are kind of uh, gravitating towards faith or away from it uh, when you've got uh, this virus that's unfortunately overtaken a lot of our lives? You know, I think every time you have something like this, it happened 9-11, when you have catastrophes, whether they're natural disasters, war, and everything, I think it really makes people stop and think, is this all there is to life? And what am I going to experience if this next life happens with me, you know, and I get COVID or if I get a natural disaster? And I think sometimes these natural disasters, really, they play two, two ways. Number one, people come closer to the Lord. Number two, it drives them farther from God because they're angry at God or they don't want to deal with it. And, you know, they go, they go to alcohol, they go to drugs, they go to, you know, whatever thing that helps them feel better. Absolutely. And, and, and then obviously, um, as this podcast comes out, uh, we'll be just about a week or, or so away from the election happening, the presidential election. And obviously, we're not going to make any predictions there, just like no predictions about uh, Armageddon or the end of the world. But um, tell us about, you know, the importance of faith, God, or whatever you believe, and how that um, can connect with how you vote. 
Well, first and foremost, you know, um, no president is going to save the world. So whoever gets elected, whether you're for it or against it, you know, the next day, you know, we do have to deal with it. And, um, and you know, I've, I've voted for people I didn't – I wanted to get in, didn't get in, and vice versa. So you, know, you have to um, look past the elections and politics, and you look to the Lord. He's the ultimate – savior he's the one that's in control and that's where we're going after this life so yeah i mean it's important to have a good president and to to have a good foundation and this is what i tell people about politics all the time look don't look at the person but look at their platform what does the republican and democrats what do they believe and if that aligns with your belief by by all means uh, vote for them. But I've met a lot of believers, and I asked them about the platform, which they don't know a lot about. But when they begin to understand that that platform is anti-God or anti-Christ or doesn't line up with biblical values, you really got to think about, it's not just about culture. It's not just about living you know, in a particular state or a particular family. It, it is about what did these people believe in? Do they, it does it line up biblically? Yeah, and you've you've been through a lot of elections, and so yeah, uh, it, it seems like that it's just so divisive in our country right now. As yeah. we head into this election, and and uh, and unfortunately, it, it may not change after the election either, uh, no matter the results. Um, so, you know, um, are you disheartened by what you're seeing in America today, or are you or are you hopeful? Is it kind of a it's is it a, you know optimistic or glass half empty kind of uh, you know like the reality of things? Uh, you know, I really think that uh, if my trust was in politics, I'd be not hopeful. You <laughs> yeah. <know? laughs> but my trust is in the Lord, and I'm very hopeful. But the the fact of the matter is, you know, whoever is in there and, and uh, the, the divisiveness, let me just back up and say this. Our forefathers put together a country under God that's a democracy, and that our forefathers said it best. They said, democracy doesn't work if people are not aligned with the Ten Commandments, with the Judeo-Christian ethic. It doesn't work. We tried it. I was over in Iraq, and they tried to institute democracy in an Islamic world. It doesn't work (laughs) because of the fact that it doesn't line up with biblical, ethical, moral standards. And so, you know, those people need a different system to be under and unfortunately, you know, the system of a dictatorship did work over there, a hard, heavy hand, because that's all they understood. You know, we tried to implement democracy, but as you can see, it won't work unless the people are ready for it to work. Absolutely, Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, and the people, <laughs> we're the ultimate, I mean, jury right now in terms of deciding who's going to be in office, you know, from Senate, Congress, President, all these other different uh, positions. And, uh, you know, turning back now to your book, uh, which um, uh, is uh, called The Military Guide to Armageddon, yeah. Battle-Tested Strategies to Prepare Your Life and Soul for the end times. And so, well, first of all, before we talk about what's in the book, tell me about it's available in January to, to, to buy, but tell me about where people can get it maybe ahead of time, right? Right. It's on pre-order worldwide right now. Um, it's uh, anywhere books are sold, you can pre-order it. Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Christian Book Distributors. Uh, it's going to be in all the airports. It's going to be in uh, actually in the military chain of supply as well. So, 
you, all you have to do is type in the Military Guide to Armageddon. You can order it on any platform. It is out, by the way, on January the 5th. Gotcha, yep. and it's the the the, the title it sounds pretty heavy. Yeah, <laughs> like 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 sounds like a like a dramatic book, um, you know, fiction or nonfiction or whatever. So, uh, tell me about uh, what can people expect? I mean, is this what, what audience are you looking for? Are these believers, soldiers, um, you know, really anyone? I think really it's for anyone, but it's targeted for believers, definitely the military. And I got to tell you, it's a cool book because. Every one of the chapters has a personal story from me of what I experienced either in combat or training through the 32 years of military. So that starts off each chapter. And then it goes into the biblical text, and then it goes into some end times things. So every chapter is equipping you to understand where we are, where we're going, and what to do. And the last chapter is all about physical preparation. Wow. So uh, I think it's it's going to be a great book for people to to get and to um, to prepare. Yeah. So give us a kind of a taste of like well, how can people prepare in terms of you know the the dark uh, end time forces and the things we hear about and because obviously you know uh, and the Bible talks about how the Satan is Satan is the prince of the earth but um, there's all these uh, things that line up um, in Revelations that that happen to the end time so. Um, you know, how, how can people prepare? I mean, are, are there just simple things that you can even do right now today? Sure, absolutely. At the, just to let you know, at the end of every chapter, there are exercises you can do today that will get you prepared for tomorrow. So, you know, one of the first chapters is battle ready. And so we, what we do in these chapters, we take a military principle. And readiness is the number one principle for all the military. Because if you're not ready, you're not going to win. You're not going to fight tonight. You're not going to be able to defeat the enemy. So we transform that to believers as well. Are you ready? Are you serious about your faith? Are you serious about reading the Word of God and about prayer and about your belief? Or is just a Sunday morning uh, go to church type of thing where you go to Sunday morning and then you know next the rest of the week you're not really experiencing the power of God, the strength of God, and you know all the, th- the weapons of our warfare? Because first of all, I would never send a soldier to war who's not trained. I'm not going to give a soldier a, a rifle who has never fired a rifle and say, okay, it's time for you to go to war. It's the same with us believers. I'm not going to, you know, we can't be engaged in warfare, spiritual warfare especially, and these end times and natural disasters and physical disasters if we're not spiritually prepared to meet those kinds of things. We have a chapter on the fog of war, which is really interesting. That's early on in the book, and basically uh, it talks about how I got lost on a battlefield once and couldn't find my way back. I was in the actual literal fog. People are in fog right now in COVID. They don't know what's going on with the government. They, they're confused. There's, you know, and what do you do when you're in that fog? What happens? And so what we, what we instruct people to do, first of all, is don't do anything until you hear from God, until you get your heart you know, talking to the Lord and 
getting into scripture and getting into other believers that you can look up to that, you know, are strong. So, you know, the fog of war is, is, is one of the most interesting chapters. And in the military, we often think about like, like the things that you experience, the combat deployments and, and, uh, you know, the Iraq war and, and those kind of things like true, you know, battle where you're, you know, flesh and flesh. But, um, there is a thing also, you know, a spiritual warfare. So tell me about the difference. And for those maybe who uh, kind of are, are new to that idea, what spiritual warfare is? Is it something you can see or touch, or is it something we're going through now? Well, that's a, a long answer, but I'm going to try to shorten <laughs> it. We have been at war for 6,000 years physically, and out of the 6,000 years of warfare, we've only had 268 years of peace. And so we uh, have experienced war as human humankind for all these thousands of years. But there's a reason why. You know, you look at the physical war, but that's not all there is to it. There is a spiritual war. When Satan rebelled against God before time immemorial, before the Garden of Eden, you know, there was God threw Satan and his angels out of heaven. And uh, ever since then, there's been warfare between heaven, those demonic forces, and earth. And even Jesus himself said that Satan was the god of this world. He still is the god of this world. He's got sway and control because Adam and Eve, when they sinned, when they fell from grace, they gave that control over to Satan. And ever since, we've been in spiritual battle. Absolutely. And in your, the part of the title of the book is Battle-Tested Strategies. So this is not something where you have to have experience in the military to be able to do this. Right. This is just what um, maybe using, like you said, some of those principles. You think that is effective? You think military and uh, Christianity or faith, you think they oftentimes can be intertwined? Absolutely. I, there's so many parallels to this. Uh, that, well, that's why we wrote the book. But, you know, well, just going back to battle ready, you know, in, in Korea, if you go to Korea right now, our soldiers' motto is fight tonight. they got to be ready to fight North Korea at any moment at any time. And so we transfer that to us. We are in the midst of spiritual warfare, and one of the things I'm trying to do is wake people up to the fact that there is warfare going on, and there's a battle for your soul. And who's going to win out on the battle? Where are you going to spend eternity? That's all important stuff. Yeah. What um, when you talk about the end times, uh, whether it be in a, in a book like this, or you know, um, speaking at a place, and maybe you're speaking to an audience that is, you know, believes what you believe, you know, but do you get uh, pushback sometimes, and people that say, you know, oh, that's just a bunch of hogwash, or or you're, you know, kind of uh, you know, fire and brimstone, you're it, it's you're an extremist. Uh, is that something that you experience sometimes and what's your kind of defense of that i guess yeah i don't think anybody who's talking about the end times so it would not you know it, it i get it all the time you know people well you've been talking about this for two thousand years you know christ said he was coming back we don't see him you know um you know the world has been in trouble for a long time we're just you know america's nothing special it'll it'll come and go but you know the fact of the matter is if you look at bible prophecy you know, my defense is this. If you look at uh, what Israel became a nation, that is a key cornerstone because back 2,000 years or more be- before that, it was prophesied in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, in Ezekiel, in Daniel, that I- that Israel would become a nation. Well, 
they haven't been a nation since 70 AD when Rome destroyed them with the 10th mountain the 10th division came in and destroyed and it has they dispersed Israel Jews all around the world and it came back as a nation in one day in 1948 and all that is in the Bible and that was the trigger for what's going on right now and for the uh, the return of the Lord. Yeah, and, and you uh, wrote this book with uh, your co-author is a Pulitzer Prize-nominated investigative journalist and best-selling author himself, Troy Anderson. So right. uh, um, so you kind of uh, combine, I guess, your two talents together for, for this uh, this work, right? Yeah, Troy is a monster when it comes. He's, uh, he's interviewed lots of people for the book, uh, you name it, made general officers, you know, senior uh, megachurch pastors, uh, and uh, writers and authors, and he's gone around and, and done a lot of great work in supporting this book. So, uh, yeah, my hat's off to him. He is a genius. He was the uh, edit, senior editor for Charisma Magazine for many years. Uh, has written two great books, and um, in a, and so we got this book coming out. And um, to, to close, you know, well, what do you hope um, people, you know, as you go around the, the country and talk about the end times and the stuff you put in this book, what is your hope in terms of the message you have for folks as we go through uh, these, you know, dark times? And, and there's been many dark times in America, but now we're going through this new COVID-19 pandemic and election and, and, and race relations, all these things kind of coming on at once. What is your message for folks? Yeah, I hate to tell you this, but I don't think this is the end of those things. I think this is just the beginning we're going to see more stuff coming down the pike. Um, that's what the Lord is speaking into my heart, into the message he's given me. But my hope is, I talked to a mega church pastor uh, just a few days ago on the phone, and he was saying, you know, uh, Colonel, we are talking about the end times in our church, and we probably want to come in and invite you to come and speak, but we, there's very little message or training or topics written right now as how to prepare my people for what what we're supposed to be doing my hope and my prayer is churches begin to recognize where we're at soft stop softballing the gospel and the and prepare their people and stop trying to tell them they're not going to experience things because they already are experiencing things and they're going to experience more negative stuff as we you know progress toward the coming of the lord so let's get the hope out there and the message out there and some of the things people can do in terms of like the i mean simple things that maybe we need to be i i know i speak to myself here Mm -hmm. more disciplined with is is reading your your bible and and prayer as well because those things can be like powerful weapons in this war right yeah we delve deeply into prayer into the book and it's one of the weapons, the major weapons. It's like going to combat and you don't have your rifle with you. Well, you're not going to survive. And, and people, I think believers don't understand the power of prayer. It is a, a huge, powerful weapon that God has given us. And a lot of people don't even use it, you know, until they get into some trouble somewhere. But it's it's for us for a daily basis. And a lot of times people will tell me, well, God's too busy. Well, I got news for you. If your God is too busy, then your God's too small. Because our the God I serve is omnipotent. He's all powerful, all knowing. You know, all he's got all strength, and he's been alive forevermore, both backwards and forwards. So, he's not too busy. 
Absolutely. Yes. I, I, <laughs> amen and amen. And, and speaking of prayer, uh, it's how, one of the ways I usually close the podcast is with prayer. And so I wanted to kind of um, uh, let you uh, have the honor, if you would, to close us out in prayer, that would be fabulous. Father, just thank you for our time together. And for those who are listening audience out there, there may be one, maybe two others who are struck by the power of the Holy Spirit, struck maybe by their circumstances or just listening in and looking for answers, Father, may their eyes and ears be open to the truth that's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for those believers who have been struggling in their faith, not knowing which to go and how to go and what to learn, may this new book, may this work, may this uh, empower them in their daily lives in prayer and in all the spiritual disciplines that you have for us. And we'll give you the honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much again, uh, Colonel Chaplain uh, Jimona, uh, for joining us. And hope everybody can go out there and pre-order a good, maybe a good Christmas gift, the, uh, the Military Guide to Armageddon, Battle-Tested Strategies to Prepare Your Life and Soul for the End Times. And that'll be available uh, in stores, I guess, on January 5th. So uh, I know it's, you said, what, two years in the making, right? Yes, yes, sir. Well, probably 30 years in the making, but two years <laughs> in the writing. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. God bless. It. Thank you. Definitely uh, salute Chaplain, a retired Colonel Jamona. I appreciate uh, him coming out here to WTVM to come out and speak to me about some really important, serious topics. And, and uh, you know, the book uh, that's, again, coming out in January, you can pre-order it. Uh, I think it's $15.99 is, is the price for it right now. And uh, really not a bad price for uh, being battle-ready as a believer for what's coming in the future as the end times draw near, uh, being you know fully equipped and having those weapons of spiritual warfare and and using those gifts of the Holy Spirit to be be ready for the forces of darkness. Uh, they're going to come in the last days. They will come. We just don't know when. We uh, I I can't uh, you know try to predict uh, the day and the time. Uh, only only God knows that. So, uh, but the, the goal is to be ready and uh you know the readiness like the military say so uh, around here in fort benning uh, we thank all our veterans and soldiers and so we appreciate all of them and if you'd like to listen to any previous episode to this podcast we've had about like and this is number i think 43 and you can go to wtvm.com slash podcast and listen to those we'd love for you to subscribe we're on uh, spotify google play stitcher uh, apple would love for you to go to put a review there at the bottom and uh, for our uh, final segments of uh, this podcast in particular, uh, one is a parting gift I actually found on Facebook from David and Esther Jimona. Uh, they posted it in the last few days on, on, on social media. Uh, very interesting uh, quote, and I, I'm just going to, uh, it's from Anonymous, I guess, but it's, but it's very, you know, uh, touching and interesting and, and uh, just kind of about choices you have in life. So I'm just going to read this to you. It says, marriage is hard, divorce is hard. Choose your hard. Obesity is hard. Being fit is hard. Choose your hard. Being in debt is hard. Being financially disciplined is hard. Choose your hard. Communication is hard. Not communicating is hard. Choose your hard. Life will never be easy. It will always be hard. But we can choose our hard. Pick wisely. So we all have choices in life. You know, glass half full, glass half empty. 
Um, you know, whatever we go through, there's going to be difficulties. It's going to be challenging. Uh, it's like when you're like when I go out on a run. Uh, things can be challenging at times, but it's being trained up and being mentally and physically prepared. And uh, just uh, kind of believing that God will give you strength and um, being patient and kind with other people. You know, these, these things that talked about in the quote about communication and, and being fit and, and marriage. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I thank God every day for my wife, Shanna who is very patient with me. Uh, marriage is tough. We've been married 20 years and there's ups and downs with it, but you, you've got to uh, roll with the punches and, and put them first. And uh, the same thing goes with being fit. You've got to you know, make that a priority and, and being financially stable and communicating with other people in, in, a, in a gentle, kind, compassionate way, especially when we have all this strife going on uh, pre-election and and probably post-election as well. Uh, so uh, definitely uh, be be uh, prayed up during this time. We, we definitely need it. Now to our uh, final, final segment, uh, Food for Thought. Uh, and in uh, the words of REM, uh, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. You know, we talked a lot with uh, Chaplain Colonel Jamona about uh, being spiritually ready. Uh, but also, I found an interesting kind of tongue-in-cheek article from End of Three Fitness. It's called How to Survive the End of the World, which uh, actually the Mayans predicted it would, ha- would have happened back in December 21st of 2012. So we're still around. This is uh, uh, now October, heading into November of 2020. So this was kind of a, a, a how-to, they wrote, uh, kind of a pocket version. Uh, so let me give you some bullet points here. Uh, the first one they have, again, this is from uh, End of Three Fitness, is learn to ruck. Uh, a lot of uh, military folks will know what that means, but maybe you don't. To ruck is a long but generally slow-paced walk with a heavy backpack, that usually has all your supplies you'll need for that journey. So you got to start practicing that, all right? takes quite the toll on your body, especially on your back and knees. And so the ruck tips are use broken-in shoes or boots, definitely nothing new. Break them in now. Use something already broken in. Pack the weight in the ruck evenly, not, not too much too low or high. Try to pack towards the middle so that'll save your back a little bit. I know you see soldiers out there walking or, or even running sometimes, hiking uh, with these big backpacks, and they usually have about 30 to 50 pounds. That is rucking, and uh, that's what they do as part of their job as soldiers, and uh, anybody can do that, right? Another uh, tip on uh, how to survive the end of the world, start sprinting, okay? Uh, quick and fast, be in a hurry. So uh, more than likely, they say in this article, in a post-apocalyptic situation, there will be uh, some uh, group or bandits who will have uh, no sense of humanity or integrity. So uh, you got to be able to quickly get away from those dangerous situations. That'll come in handy uh, in the end of the world. Sprinting uh, is something we rarely do in today's society. So here's what they call the guts workout. You run two miles, kind of a warm-up pace, you know, uh, nice and easy. Then you do some sprints. Four by 400, 400 meters, about a quarter of a mile. Four by 800, that's a half a mile. And two by 1600. So you do uh, four of the uh, quarter miles, four of the half miles, and then two of the 1600, which is a full mile as part of your guts workout. And uh, one of the last uh, steps or for how to survive the end of the world, assemble your army. You need a small, relatively fit and intelligent crew. Uh, you got to have some accountability partners, right? Keep you honest. Keep You, you got to be, uh, be tough, be fit. 
uh, have folks around who are in the same boat to, to so you can keep each other uh, motivated. And the last last one is about uh, uh, what you should be eating. Uh, was it maybe paleo? Uh, I don't know what's going to be around at the end of the world. So your mission, uh, even if the world doesn't end, if you're in that survival mode, eat whatever you have to. But until then, learn what you should be eating and what you should not be eating. Uh, and in the end, really never give up. Uh, keep moving. Know you're not alone. Do something today that will make you better tomorrow and strive to be a better person. Never give up. On the faith side of things, when we're talking, since we're talking about Armageddon, right? The Washington Post has an article from uh, March of this year called This is Not the End of the World, According to Christians Who Study the end of the world. We're having this all this upheaval in the world right now caused by the coronavirus pandemic that we all know very well about. Uh, has a lot of folks reaching maybe for their Bibles. Some starting to wonder, could this be a sign of the apocalypse? Well, uh, if you've read uh, or heard about the New Testament's final book, the book of Revelation, it lays out a, a version of the end times where Jesus returns to earth, believers are raptured to heaven, those left behind suffer seven dreadful years of calamities, which we talked briefly about it with that Left Behind series. Um, a writer of books of biblical prophecy in Arkansas, Jeff Kinley, he uh, points to Revelation 6-8, which forecasts deaths all over the globe, quote, by sword, famine, and, and plague. And then Jesus talks about it in Luke 21-11, there will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. So Kinley, he says, uh, he thinks it's this is referring, referring to a future time. It's not been fulfilled yet. Uh, but, you know, Americans really are primed to believe the end of the world might arrive maybe in the near future. In fact, um, in 2010... Um, about 10 years ago, 41% of Americans told Pew Research Center that they expected Jesus to return by the year 2050. But really, who knows, right? Uh, the Bible is pretty specific. Uh, you know, one major thing is the ancient temple in Jerusalem. That's supposed to be rebuilt first. Uh, that hasn't happened yet. Uh, and then another writer for a prophecy website called Unsealed, he talks about how, um, you know, we're going to uh, should be more focused on what happens in, in Israel, not so much on disease, because we've seen a lot of uh, pandemics. Another one, a host of a Christian radio show, The Line of Fire, uh, also said coronavirus is not a sign of the end times, according to him. This is his opinion, but a good opportunity it is for reflection on what he believes will come, kind of a trial run for the calamity that will come uh, with Armageddon uh, as it's foretold in Revelations. Again, uh, thank you so much for joining us for this uh, run the race podcast we talk on a weekly basis about fitness and faith and of course a uh, chaplain uh, former colonel my friend david jamona uh, gave us our closing prayer so uh, uh thank you to him for coming on and uh you can uh share this with your friends using the hashtag run the race podcast and i'm um, looking forward to uh talking to future guests about uh being physically and spiritually and mentally fit uh, we all need that, especially as we head into the holidays. Have a great week, everybody.